We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. Yo, what's good, Knicks Nation? Alex Jotaris here, a.k.a. the Tratocaster, back again with another Game of the Week preview. This time, we are previewing the New York Knicks facing the Toronto Raptors. They'll be playing Wednesday, the second game of a back-to-back at 7.30 p.m. Oh, you can catch on MSG. It'll be at Madison Square Garden. And to help us today preview this game, we got William Wu, host of the Raptors show for Sportsnet. Will, how you doing, man? How you feeling? No, I'm not bad. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, not just because I'm, I'm caught the non-COVID illness as with, mm. like, you know, a third of the NBA, it seems, uh, but also because my beloved Toronto Raptors are currently, uh, yeah, they're just losing every game right now. There's uh, there, there's there's no end to it in sight. It's, it's hurting me emotionally, physically. So, um, yeah, let's talk about that team. Man, hurting you physically, emotionally. I feel you, man. I'm also not only a Knicks fan, so I understand that for like the past 20 years, like with some blips of good juju here and there, but I'm also a Jets fan, so I understand that. Oh, so that's that's, it's been... You know, since the Mark Sanchez era, it's been rough for me as well. So I, I, I totally understand it. But let's rip this Band-Aid off. Let's get mm. into it. Actually, first and foremost, make sure to hit that thumbs up button for your boys and make sure to go check out KnicksFanTV.com. Now let's get into this. So let's rip the Band-Aid off. Raptors this season, as you're talking about, I think they're on a five-game losing streak right now, right? Yep. So how do you feel about this season overall? Yeah, I mean, the big thing is disappointing, you know? Like, they had a really good year last year. Uh, 48 wins, you know, it was a young team. Um, they got rookie of the year. They got an all NBA player in Pascal Siakam. Fred Van Vliet made the all-star team. And, you know, even though they lost in the first round, I thought, I would say for three of the six games that they played against Philly, they pushed them pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, winning two of those, one of those, they lost in overtime, but, but Harden had fouled out and, and beat hit that game winner in game three. And so, you know what, it, it was one of those series where, you know, if they, if they had pulled it out in game three, maybe you could have, you know, ended the season on a on complete high. Right. But generally speaking, everyone was really happy coming into the season. The Raptors themselves thought uh, they were on the upswing, which to be honest, they were. And so the front office brought back largely the same roster. Like you rarely see this much continuity 
on any team, especially one that didn't win the title. But, you know, they saw it as we just need to add a few more rotation guys around the, the, the edges and we'll bring back this group in the summertime. They played really well together. Uh, they, they spent a lot of time. They basically had like three training camps in the offseason just to sort of like, you know, build some chemistry. And then they come into the season and they actually show no signs of that chemistry. It's, it's mm. actually wild. Um you know, they Pascal's playing at an all-NBA level again, so that's good. But um, Fred has taken a step back, although he's coming on strong of late. Um, Scotty, after Rookie of the Year, there was a lot of expectations he would take that next jump. People were asking him, what's your goals? He's like, I want to make all-star. I want to be on all defensive teams. Not seeing a lot of great defense out of Scotty Barnes, even though he has the tools for it. Just looks very immature on that end. And then offensively, he comes and goes. Some games, he's really impactful. He'll take over, dominate an entire quarter at a time. They were just playing KD and Kyrie. Scotty had 19 in the fourth quarter. So there's that potential there. And you're like, okay, that's why you won Rookie of the Year. But then you also see games where, you know, you you barely notice him and he has like three hook shots and that's the whole game. So uh, the vibes are definitely off with that team. And of course, they got some vital injuries as well um, to some of the rotation players and I think the, the the end result right now is you're seeing them lose a lot of games in two fashions. One is they just kind of give, give up probably 35 to 40 points in the first quarter and they just never mm. really get back to the game. Or the other type where they play hard, they're probably in the lead, but they ultimately still lose a close game. So, yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a tough month for them right now. Man, that's that's growing a bit. We've been there, done that. Definitely as Knicks fans, we understand that in the past. But for, for your Raptors, you know, you brought up Scotty Barnes and there was a lot of hype around him, you know, and you're talking about his defense. You know, you, you talk about has been he's been in and out. Can you can you elaborate on that? Because there was a lot of Knicks fans, you know, especially last year, last summer league. We saw Obi Toppin and Scotty Barnes face off. Some people were like, yo, this is why you tank. This is why you got to mm-hmm. go get someone yep. like Scotty Barnes. Look at the intangibles. Look how good he is. Last year, you know, he had a really phenomenal rookie season. Now, mm-hmm. right now, you're talking about him, you know, kind of regressing. Can you go a little bit more into that? Like, why is that so? Yeah, well, that's that's like the big question facing the Raptors season. This and also what's happened to Fred, because he's kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, so, look, with Scotty, the, the numbers actually look quite similar to when he won rookie of the year. Uh, but I think it's the the consistency in how he impacts the game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was it was eye opening at the start of the season when Nick Nurse was asked, "Hey, what's your challenge to Scotty this year?" And Nick's answer was, "Just try to maintain the same enthusiasm that you had as a rookie, right? When everything was a challenge, everything is new. You get up for work every day." And he's kind of repeated this sort of idea three or four times throughout the course of the season, going as far as to say that, like, you know, it's, it's sometimes you get old into a job, but you, you know, you got to continue to grow professionally, which to me, I'm just like, I feels like that's like a very clear sign of what's going on. And then you hear reports about the fact that the front office has actually met with Scotty um, aside making a trip down to New York when they were, you know, one of their four losses to Brooklyn this year already, believe mm-hmm. it or not where uh, he met with Scotty and sort of delivered quote-unquote hard truths, right? So I think it's something where you see what he wants to be as a player, which is to be a ball-handling point guard, you know, flirt with triple-doubles, you know, the comparisons to Magic have been made in the past. Mm. I think a lot of the people are having a lot of fun at that comp right now. But I I think, to me, the the bigger thing with Scotty is sort of like the Raptors haven't found the right role for him to be in every single night consistently. And so he has to sort of come into the game, feel it out, and sort of see where he fits in. And sometimes he's not able to find where he fits in, and so he doesn't necessarily have a big impact on the game. 
to be honest, though, that's something that is a, is a common issue for a lot of players, right? Ultimately, mm-hmm. if you're one of the great players, like you're able to impose your will on the game, regardless of sort of what the role the, the front office or the coaching staff necessarily has for you. And to be clear about that, he has the green light at all times. Um, and it's really on him. When he decides to be really aggressive and attack going downhill, he's fantastic. Very hard to stop. Uh, when he is playing more in that point guard role and he's at the top of the floor, he's not really consistently beating his man. Um, and so he's not actually creating too many issues for the defense. And his outside shot is just okay. Like, it's not one of those things where it's going to completely break your team. So, um to me, it looks like the picture of a young player is trying to figure it out both on court and off the court. Um, and, you know, sometimes you really do see the potential. Sometimes you do see why he's really young. So would you say this is more of a sophomore slump that's going on right now? Or do you think it's more than that? It's a popular theory. Let's just say it's, it's a popular theory. Um, you know, I, th- I think the league has definitely figured out a couple of things about sort of where he primarily likes to play and how he mm. likes to score. Um, but I mean... To be honest, it's like uh, that's something where if it is a sophomore slump, the idea is hopefully he sees the struggles that he's had this year and goes into the offseason and works on all of those things, right? Because I think after you win rookie of the year, you're on top of the world. You felt like this thing's probably a little bit easier. You c- but do you come back as a better player? Because the league's going to get better each and every year. Uh, scouting is going to get tougher against you each and every year. You know, you got to continue to add more things to your game. To be honest, it's almost one of those things where, yeah, it's a sophomore slump, but it's also a thing of, did he add enough in the offseason to combat something like that? And the answer to me so far is no. Okay. And then the last one before we move off of uh, Scotty to, to Fred and, and dive in on that. Do, you said, you know, figuring out his role on this team. What do you think his role on this team should be? Is he a role player or is he going to be that guy that you're relying on to take you to the, uh, to the championship? In the future. Yeah. I mean, ideally, obviously, it's the second one, right? Um, right? But I think for this current team, the best player clear cut is Pascal Siakam, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's about how does everyone else fit in around Pascal? I think Pascal and Scotty have shown pretty good chemistry in the sense that Scotty's a very intuitive player, knows how to space out, knows how to cut, um, you know. And so Pascal, who routinely draws a lot of double teams, consistently one of the league leaders in terms of drawing doubles. When that extra attention comes to him, Scotty's usually the one who's either releasing that pressure by making the right cuts or he's, you know, getting on that glass and stuff like that. He, he's pretty smart about all that kind of stuff. He's very good at running in transition as well with Pascal. But mm-hmm. it's those moments where Pascal's off the floor. Who's going to take over? Right now, the answer is more closer to Fred Van Vliet, which is not necessarily the wrong answer, but you would just mm-hmm. like to see Scotty initiate more of those when he is off. I think one of the disappointments with Scotty is that because Pascal missed 11 games this season, during that stretch, Scotty only had like maybe one or two standout games, whereas you needed him to have like six or seven standout games to sort of keep the Raptors afloat in the standings. So, um, yeah, his role is going to change. It's going to shift from game to game. And, and to be honest, a lot of that is on the coaching staff, but the coaching staff would also tell you that it's it's on Scotty. He's got to ultimately take it when he's out there. All right. Now you mentioned Fred Van Vliet as well. How's Fred? How's Fred been struggling this season? Like, what's what's going on with him? So the story with Fred is last season, the first fifty games, he was playing at all star level. He averaged like twenty mm-hmm. points, six rebounds, eight assists. Was shooting the three at a phenomenal level. Um, I think it was well above forty on like ten attempts per game. And was winning a lot of games for the Raptors, especially when Pascal was out at the start of last season. Now, 
from basically the All-Star game onward, his numbers really should, like fell off a cliff. He was shooting like pretty consistently at a 35% level, both from three and from just you know the overall field goal percentage. And a lot of that last year was attributed to injuries, you know, knee, back issues, something like that. He just physically didn't look right. Defensively was still good, but, you know, he just wasn't able to put it together. In the, in, in the playoff series, he didn't play well either and ultimately didn't actually finish out that playoff series. That's how hurt he was. So a lot of the feeling going into the offseason was like, okay, maybe Fred needs surgery or something to get right. Ultimately, he doesn't end up taking any surgery. Um, to be honest, I don't even know if that was necessarily needed. But you would have at least hoped, well, okay, you've rested for the offseason. Can you come back and, and and look at a different level and back to where you were at the all-star level? And, you know, he's had great games where he's been all-star level this season. There's no doubt about that. But there's also a lot of lulls. I think the big thing with Tim is just that he's never been a guy who impacts the paint that much, right? He's also been a guy who uh, is a knockdown three-point shooter, um, can distribute the ball, can play defense for you, can handle the ball, but he's not necessarily great inside the arc. This season, especially in the last week or so, that's completely flipped. He's actually been really good at scoring inside the paint, but his usual uh, three-point shot that is very, very good has been misfiring a lot. So it's hard to sort of see what's wrong with him. To be honest, there are games where he just looks like he doesn't have burst or separation to get by his guy. Uh, and obviously for a guard, you're going to need that. But you know, I, I think with Fred, there is a trust that he's going to fight through it just because of how uh, mentally tough he is as a player. Obviously, he's had great experiences both up and sundowns throughout his career, and he's fought through those. And as an undrafted guy who's made it to the All-Star game, like, it's that's mm-hmm. not a guy you had to tell, you know, you got to be professional. You got to, you know, not right. treat just like a job. Like, he obviously does that already. So it's right. just about him figuring it out. Okay, okay. And then for, so... Moving, moving along then for other players that are on this team, because I find that this team, you know, it's truly like a team that's based on a lot of good team basketball. And I'm looking at OG Ananobi as another guy. And it seems, I know he's out right now, but he was on the trading block. What's been, what's been the OG Ananobi story this season? It's kind of a redemption arc for him in a way, because, you know, he's always been a very beloved player in, in Raptors uh, mm-hmm. fan circles. You know, he's he's got a quirky personality, really dry sense of humor. People really love to make jokes about him and stuff like that. Um, but I think the other reason he's adored is because he's a really, really good 3 and D player. Um, you know, this season he's not hitting the three as well, but he's still scoring overall. He's found different ways to impact on the offensive end, especially when Pascal was out, he kind of stepped in as like a number one scorer, which was never supposed to be his role. That should have been either Fred or Scotty, but those two guys have been struggling. Mm-hmm. So OG expanded his role. The other thing too is he's just an amazing defender. Like he's, he's I think he's still leading the league in steals per game. Obviously he's been out, uh, but you know, he's been excellent on that end. He forces a lot of turnovers, always takes on the hardest assignments. If you see him play, uh, if he's back against the Knicks, he'll probably take on Julius Randle. That's the assignment that he's had over the years. He's able to mm-hmm. match Randle's physicality while also having enough length to sort of contest, even though he's a shorter player. So he he's a guy who, yes, there was a lot of talk about him wanting to expand his role or him maybe wanting a trade and all that kind of stuff. But to be honest, like he's been pretty happy with it with, with you know how he's played this season. He's been pretty happy with his role this season. And whenever he's out, um, which has been the last week, the Raptors literally have not won a game without him. So hopefully he's back soon. Is he your best defender? Yeah, this, without doubt. To be honest, like there's even though the Raptors actually have a lot of guys who they drafted based on their defense or they acquired based on their defense, 
the one guy that you would say is a standout defender, and there's no doubt about it, is OG. Everyone else right now is a little questionable, which is a little strange because they actually do have a lot of good defenders, but defensively, they're starting to come apart of late. Mm, okay, okay. And would you say that goes the same for, for Malachi Flynn? I'm just curious about that. Would, curious about Malachi Flynn? Um, maybe it, it always surprised me that Malachi won a defensive player of the year, you know, in his last year in college. Because he is, he is pretty slight. Like, I, I'm struggling to find, like, 10 guards who actually get minutes in the league who are, like, smaller or lighter than him. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say he's quick in the sense that he's able to, like, if you got, like, a Patty Mills type or, like, a Seth Curry type, you know, he can, like, chase them off ball and navigate screens. But, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's small, so guys usually pick on him in terms of uh, the, the bigger wing players. They like to, you know, create screens with Malachi's guy and force switches. Um, I mean, he he competes, he scraps. There's there's no doubt about that. But I just think his size leaves him like pretty under, uh, underserved as a defender. Is that why he's not getting as many minutes as as probably like fans? I don't know. Actually, I won't say for fans, but as an outsider looking in, mm-hmm. and just for that draft, there was a lot of talk about Malachi Flynn being like one of the, yep. one of those good point guards. And now when I look at this team and I look at the, the minutes that he logs, it's not a lot of minutes. So why is that? Yeah, well, um, okay. So number one, the Raptors have this whole thing where they, they want to play like this thing called Vision 6-9, okay? They want to put 6-9 guys mm-hmm. at all five positions who all played all the different positions uh, and, you know, be tough to score on in that sense, right? So the thing is, okay, well, the clear obvious flaw is you now have Fred Van Vliet at point guard who you desperately need to play well for you. So that's one guy who is, you know, like six foot on a, on a good day. Depends on how he cuts his hair, you know, like, but that's one guy who doesn't necessarily fit the rest of that defensive model. But then there's like, okay, you could probably make up for that if you have a true center to like, you know, erase some mistakes, give you some sort of like help at the rim so that, okay, you know what, if one guy's a little short or whatever, they don't actually have that. If you look at the Raptors uh, like center options, I guarantee you they're the worst in the league. I would trade them with 29 other teams in the league in terms of who they have at center. Just trust me. They've, they started Christian Coloco ninth, uh, yeah, I think 17 times this season. So he's a second round pick, right? He's played all 30 games for the Raptors. He, he's had 19 games where he's had only one basket or zero made baskets in the game. And this is a guy who started more than half the games. And, and the issue for that is because like, well, maybe you start someone else. The other options are like Thad Young, who is not a center. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like that, but he's not a center. He's another wing or Ken Birch, who like is on his way out the league. So their center position is, is weaker to sort of make up for those uh, smaller guards. So my, my point there is if, if you're going to play Fred a lot, you can't necessarily play Malachi a lot because then you're gonna, probably going to have to overlap their minutes. And that leaves you with a really small backcourt with no center to protect the rim. And also your whole idea is you want to play all six, nine guys. So he's just kind of been squeezed out. Now, of course, recently he's gone from like, he had a stretch of like four straight DMPs. And then he had like stretch of 10 games where he had the four DMPs. And then he had basically only played garbage time. I think one game he played like six minutes, you know, like he basically wasn't seeing any time at all. And then he went from that to like, uh, finishing a game against Brooklyn because he was actually pretty hot. And then the next mm. game, he actually started in the third quarter because the Raptors were down so bad against Golden State and they're just looking for options. So it's hard to say. I, 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 th- I thought I knew what Nick's plan was for, for Balakai, but now it, it's really changed up. And there you go. There's a guy that I got to ask you about. Nick Nurse, right? Because this guy, 
I think for so many, I don't think I can I can pass an NBA podcast without mentioning uh, the boxing one, the infamous mm. boxing one against the Golden State Warriors in the finals. And, you know, innovative coach takes over for Dwayne Casey, takes him over the hump. Obviously you have Kawhi Leonard uh, and obviously the Warriors dealt with some injuries in those finals. But Nick Nurse, you know, to his credit, was very, was very intuitive, very creative in those moments. Mm-hmm. He's gotten a lot of praise for that. Do you still think that holds to this day? Because you're talking about the six nine vision. I'm looking at this 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 rotation right now, these depth charts, and you're 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 going through a struggle right now as a team. Is he still? Does he still have that cachet to him? I think so. I think so. I think it's, you know, it's probably starting to look a little fishy at times, but I mean, I think if you're going to be completely fair to Nick, it's not, it's not necessarily all on him, right? I think the roster itself, he got a lot out of it last year and this year he's struggling to, to get the same results. To be honest, I think he probably had a similar issue with, with, with Tom Thibodeau over the years, right? You had the probably. year where you guys have 48 wins. You're like, yo, I can't believe what he did. He got, you know, coach of the year. And the next year you guys, you know, disappoint and underwhelm. And it's like, well, is he a bad coach? I mean, it's, it's tough to say. It really is tough to say. The one thing you would say with Nick though, is he's really focused on defense. Um, and I think what, that usually has served the Raptors well when the Raptors have won, uh, whether that was the championship year or even the year after where they lost Kawhi, they lost Danny Green. The Raptors were still one of the best teams in the league because they had a great defense. And the Raptors would like effortlessly go through like five, six different defensive schemes within one half. And they would do really well at all of them. Right. And that showed you a sign of a team that was really well coached and really well prepared. Um, so that's been the calling card for Nick. The thing is, this season, the Raptors haven't really been able to defend at that elite level. And so that's where then people start to criticize him a lot for the lack of uh, focus on the offensive end because the Raptors have mm-hmm. consistently been, outside of the year where Kawhi was there, they've been consistently one of the bottom half of the league in terms of half-court offense, in terms of their efficiency at that end. And then this year, the Raptors are literally dead last in half-court offense. So mm. it's not actually too hard to stop the Raptors. You know, if, you, if, you're, if you're Tom Thibodeau on the staff, you're probably looking at it like, okay, the Raptors will crash the offensive rebounds, they'll run out in transition, they'll try to double our guys and force turnovers. If we limit turnovers, if we just make the extra pass into the corners where the Raptors allow the most corner threes in the NBA... Um, we should be good. And then we get back in transition and also just like probably collapse the paint and, and just make sure that the Raptors can't get in for offensive rebounds. It's not very hard to beat this team. They're actually really bad at playing both f- half-court uh, offense. And of late, they're actually pretty bad at playing half-court defense. So yeah, some of that probably is on Nick. I mean, now that I'm mentioning it like this, like, you know, I do think that he should probably get more results out of this team, but I, I'm confident that he actually will get more out of them as the season goes on, it's just right now they're in a, they're, they're bleeding a lot on both ends. Yeah. It definitely sounds like a Tom Thibodeau like situation for last season. I'm not going to lie, my man, because you know, <laughs> after like we knew when he first got here, you talk about that 48 win season, then making mm-hmm. the fourth seed, getting home court advantage. We knew we were riding on the tails of the defense. It was Julius Randle, Derek Rose is our two like main offensive uh, weapons. And then that defense was fourth in net rating that year. Mm-hmm. Then last season, you know, we get back into the top 10 of the defense, but the offense was just grinding hard. I mean, we were relying just on Julius Randle to replicate that season that he had the year prior. And then there was just a lot of inefficiencies, especially at the point guard position that we now looks like we have finally solved. I'm going to say that we have finally yep. solved that point point guard position with Jalen Brunson. But with that, like having Alec Burks, the failure of Kemba Walker, 
it's just, it, it all just went spiraling downhill. And you look at that and you say, yeah, why doesn't Tibbs like, why doesn't Tibbs like adjust? Why don't we start a manual quickly? Why don't we make these type of adjustments? And to, to a certain, like to a certain extent, those are fair questions to ask where he's a little too rigid and giving younger guys a little bit more like to expand their role when, when the season was going in such going downhill in such turmoil. Now that now we get to this season, you were back in the, in the last stretch after being molly whopped by the Dallas Mavericks. We've now gone on this spree for the last two to three weeks where we're number one in defensive net rating. We're, we're, we got a 99 uh, defensive net rating right now. We're 12th in offensive rating uh, in the league. And we have one of the best net ratings right now with uh, second in the NBA with 14.5 with the Grizzlies leading with 15.7. And, you know, I'll say that for us, it's like our defense has now come back to what Tom Thibodeau has to do. And you see that he's made some adjustments. He's cutting down the rotations. He now has really focused on who's supposed to be the offensive weapons. But offensive creativity is probably is exactly what you're saying for like Nick Nurse. There's not a lot of offensive creativity when you watch the Knicks. It's Jalen Brunson. It's RJ Barrett. It's Julius Randle. And sure, there's now better ball movement. But I wouldn't say he's like some you know, offensive guru like Steve Kerr and how the Warriors can run. But mm-hmm. the, the the way that you're talking about Nick Nurse as being a defensive-oriented coach, you have a lot of high, like, high offensive players like playing above yeah. like the level. It's kind of similar to what the Knicks are doing right now, which is it's just funny to, to hear from the other side, in all honesty. Honestly, I'm expecting Raptors-Knicks to be a, a nasty contest, you know, especially now that we're <laughs> sort of circling around to the preview in this game. But yeah, I mean, it's I'm not even kidding. There's actually a popular nickname for Nick Nurse among some corners of the Raptors fan base, they literally call him Nick Thibodeau. So, wow. and by the way, he does play his, his main guys a lot of minutes, and uh, they Ooh. eventually come up with injuries. Nick so, Thibodeau, look yeah. at that! I know. I know. Nick's Nation's hearing this right now, and their their minds are just blown because <laughs> I know. You know, people don't know this because everyone Nick's got great PR and branding. You know what I mean? That box <laughs> one thing is such a like powerful idea that it's just going to carry him throughout. But like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not working right now. I'm not gonna lie to you; it's not working right now. But well, you know, like it's just it's just funny, like because when you watch, as you know, like when you watch your team, like when you cover a team for so long, like you get so caught up in like what's happening to the team, mm-hmm. and you don't really tap into like I'm not saying you don't, I'm just saying like in general, like speak in general, like sometimes you forget what's going on in the outside world, and what all the other problems are. And I think that's what's been so great about these previews is just hearing what other fan bases are going through right now and other other storylines, other situations, and it's good to hear, you know. To, not necessarily for a Raptors, but it's good to hear that we're not the only ones dealing with this, these same, similar oh, yeah. problems. You know what I mean? But yeah. moving along, you know, you're talking about struggling players like Scott, Scotty Barnes and Fred VanVleet, Malachi Flynn, who was drafted, who who's been up and down, having an up and down season, OG, who who's been in trade rumors, and, and you have Masai Ujiri, who's in the past said he's like a it's either championship or bust type of mentality. Mm. Is there a legitimate? legs to tearing this entire thing down we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I mean, I think they'd have to go on a pretty bad month, uh, which they're currently on the midst of. So yeah, let's see how the rest of December goes for them. Uh, but I, I think probably the best that they'll do, or in terms of the most drastic thing they'll do, is retool a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, last season, for example, they started Gary Trent Jr. pretty much the entire year when he was healthy. Whenever he was healthy, he started. Uh, he had a really nice year as well. But this year, you know, Nick's already called him out said, we want you to play with more defensive intensity. And then after that, he benched them. Now, I think that could have just been like, we're going to adjust your role because to be honest, we don't have a center in our starting group. And we're able to bring in a center. We were able to balance out our bench scoring because we didn't have a lot of bench scoring. So we just brought you to the bench. And to be honest, Gary Trent does kind of look like that style of player, you know, that that combo guard uh, who's able to you know, get to his own shot and put up a lot of shots, you know, and maybe doesn't defend the greatest. Like that's a classic six man, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you do wonder how long he is in for Toronto, right? Because he's in in the last year of his deal. He has a player option and then the season. I think he probably will turn that down just because I think he mm-hmm. deserved the raise. Um, but you wonder if the Raptors feel long-term like they want to commit to him. And if they don't, they'll probably trade him. Um you know, I, I think that especially with how Fred's been playing of late, it probably raises some concerns. My thing with trading Fred is I doubt that he will command as much value back to the Raptors as he would if he just returned to his regular level. But mm-hmm. who knows, right? He's also, you know, secretly also going to become a free agent at the end of the season. So we'll see on that front as well. Um, they haven't done anything with his minutes or called him out yet. So that's mm-hmm. where my confidence is in terms of the front office keeping it as is. But yeah, I mean, you you the the talk here was like maybe you flip Gary into a center right and and a center who's not Christian Coloco who with all due respect to the kid he's just too young for the position right now right you mm-hmm. literally can't be throwing him out there every single night and lose that matchup like I'm not even kidding Nick Claxton who's having who's having a nice season but Nick mm-hmm. Claxton looks like Hakeem against them every single time we've played four <laughs> times now Nick Claxton has single handedly won games for Brooklyn because of this so it, it's unfortunate but you need to get somebody in here who can actually play at a center uh, at, at a starting center level um, and. You know, you got to see if that sort of balances out the group, if that forces you to, to limit how much you overhelp on the perimeter because of the fact that 
you know, you can't ever guard someone actually at the basket because you don't have a rim protector. You got to see if that helps your your core at least, right? But at the same time, like if they if they completely bottom out, it will be really hard to even do any sort of buy, you know, uh, win now type of move. So it, it's sort of a wait and see kind of thing, you know. They they got to save themselves before the front office saves them. Yeah, for sure. And well, correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, but didn't the Toronto Raptors do like a whole tank uh, type of situation oh, yeah. as well? Yeah. Oh, they they're, they're willing to do it. And and Masai was pretty open about it too. He was literally calling it the Tampa tank because the Raptors had to play in Tampa that, that one year because uh, the border restrictions and all that kind of stuff with COVID. So yeah, they played down in Tampa and, you know, they had a stretch where like, I don't know, five or six guys on the team had COVID at the same time. And then, like, the coaching staff got COVID. It was a whole mess. Obviously, they were playing in Tampa, uh, which was already pretty bad in itself. Um, And they had a whole month where they didn't win a game. Mm. And at that point, I was like, okay, so it's pretty clear what we got to do here. They shut down Kyle Lowry, who was heading into free agency, and then he was eventually signed and traded for for Precious Achua. Uh, And then... You know, they were able to trade Norm, which actually is how they got Gary in the first place. They traded Norm, but they traded on to Portland at that time. Um, so they're willing to do it. And they've shut down Fred. They've shut down uh, OG. They've shut down Pascal the rest of that year. And, you know, they actually got lucky because their their lottery odds were only like, I think, seventh. Their lottery position was seventh. But they actually moved up three or four spots in the lottery and they were able to get you know, Scotty. So mm-hmm. they actually feel pretty happy with that. And And if that's their most recent experience with tanking, you know, and they have a similar stretch where they have the, the other opportunity there, especially with uh, how loaded this draft is. I wouldn't put it past them to do it again, you know? That's one thing. It's either like, I would either see the Raptors either selling or just tanking at that and trying to get, you know, be in the Wemby sweepstakes, um, yeah. especially if you're trying to play that uh, 6-9 vision that you were talking about. <laughs> Listen, man, if the, if the vision could be like 7-4 instead, I feel like I, I'd like that a lot better, actually. <laughs> so. Look, if you need a center, we got a center because we're looking to get Jericho Simpson more minutes over here. So if you want Isaiah Hartenstein, you know, if you need a center, let us know. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. Isaiah Hartenstein will play 35 minutes for the Raptors, and I don't you think anyone like will be upset about it. He might yeah, like that. You know, trust he'll, me, he'll people in Toronto were like begging, like, Masai, please, we, we, we love the things you've done here, but can you add a center to this group? This whole 6-9 thing is, is, is really cute. Like, I like the idea of, oh, we'll switch everything and all that stuff. But, like, mm-hmm. please, can we ultimately have a center who, like, you know, can dunk the ball and, and block a shot, you know? So if so, let's say the Raptors start to, like, you know, get back on track. And yeah. they're, they're starting to get some wins. They're, they're, they're really like making a push to being like a five, six seed in, in the mm-hmm. NBA. Could you see them making a move for another point guard to like add to the roster or like obviously the center, you, you want a center in that. But what about point guard? Because I look at Fred Van Vliet, you talked about logging a lot of minutes. He is logging a lot of minutes. Yep. Would, would, would you think the Raptors would be interested in someone like Derek Rose to have someone like him come off the bench and add a spark to to that because as of look right now for the Knicks, he between so he was has already been benched so that Tibbs could get a better look at Miles McBride. That was his, that was his quote. He wanted okay. to get a better look at Miles McBride. You know, on top of that, Cam Reddish is out of the rotation, Evan Fournier is out of the rotation. But I look at Derek Rose because I could see him being traded to another situation and helping somebody in this league being a good guard off the bench, even though he's already stated that he wants to be in New York. Do you think the Raptors would be a team that would inquire about a guy like that? Uh, 
I mean, okay, let me ask you, because maybe I'm not watching the Knicks as closely. Like, Derrick Rose can still play, right? Like, he can still he, play. I would, say, I would say he took a, he's taken, now Rosehive is going to kill me, and I knew they were ready to kill me last night. Okay. Uh, Rosehive is like, very, I don't know if you know Rosehive, but, they're, they're yeah, Rose yeah, yeah. but they're very vicious. Okay. I said, if he started playing, if he played like he did two seasons ago, because uh-huh. he didn't show that in his, granted, he didn't get the same amount of minutes, which is like the 20 plus that he's gotten when he's been here. Mm-hmm. If you played like that two years ago, I think the uh, the Knicks' second unit would be as lethal as it was. I still yeah. think he has something left in the tank. Maybe a, a maybe a slight step slower, but there's still something there. But I also yeah. understand for this team, for this Knicks team, they have to get younger and they have to evaluate guys. And McBride's last year of his contract is next season. So I understand why they're trying to get a look at him. So okay. that's why. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think... It wouldn't take a lot to help the Raptors in terms of that third guard because they don't really have one. They kind of choose between Malachi and, and and Delano Banton. To be honest, Malachi has shown me enough in the last couple of games here where it's like I do want to see a little bit more. So to be honest, if the Raptors were willing to stick with Malachi Flynn and actually play him for like you know a month straight and give him the backup point guard role and let him run with it, I probably wouldn't try to add another one to uh, mm-hmm. to get it in his way. Um, but no, I mean, if I'm talking about just like quality-wise, can someone come in and help the Raptors bench? Yeah, I think Derrick Rose is good enough to to play for the Raptors and, and even crack the rotation. But to be honest, the front office doesn't usually move in that kind of direction. If, if they were to add a third guard, I think they probably want someone who's, you know, fits closer to Scotty Barton's timeline and, and has multiple years on their contract. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. It all makes sense. So let's now get into the actual game preview of this where I know everyone's waiting for. So got some key matches for you. I want to get your takes on this. All right. Um, well, let me ask you this first. Is OG playing? Do we know if he's going to be playing this week or is he still out? So he's, uh, we're recording this Monday. Um, he's, he's been upgraded to questionable. Okay. Um, against the Sixers. So if he plays against the Sixers, he'll play against you guys. Okay. Cool. Just want to make sure, just just based on that note, because this is what I got for the Lions right now. So okay. I got I got Brunson versus Fred mm-hmm. Van Vliet. I think that's going to be the matchup just because yep. I, for both of them, I don't see them guarding anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got Quentin Grimes, who's going to, if OG does play, I see him as that matchup. Okay. RJ versus Scotty Barnes. Um, you got Randall versus Pascal Siakam. And then we already know what the the center matchup. But I don't find I don't like for 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 me. I think that's more of a big issue for the Raptors. But for the Knicks, I don't see that as like something where Mitch really has to go. It's not like a Joel Embiid matchup, you know what I mean? Where I'm looking oh, for it's, for it's the, the opposite of a Joel Embiid matchup. Yeah, exactly. Man. I'm telling you, that's Christian Coloco has 19 games this year where he only has <laughs> one or zero baskets made. Don't worry, man. You're good. I'm telling you, he he will struggle with layups and dunks. I'm telling you right now. So it's if, okay. If, I, Mitchell's got this. If, if Tibbs would actually run some offense through the center, I'd be like, all right, this is the time for Mitch to eat. Let's go. But yeah, yeah. probably not. He's probably just going to do his thing, which is just clean up Miss. Uh, he's going he's to help whoever is guarding Pascal. He's going to come over to double Pascal. I'm telling you, that's, that's going to be most of the game plan. Okay. Yeah. So between those matchups, do you think there'd be any that would switch or do you think that's about right? No, I think that's about right. I think, uh, yeah, so defensively from the Raptors' perspective, uh, Fred's definitely going to be guarding um, Jalen Brunson. Um, I think OJ Anobi, if healthy, he's going to be guarding Randall. He's done really well in that matchup, so he's usually going to get that one. Probably will see Pascal. Uh, Pascal might be on RJ, or he might not be on RJ. Probably will be on RJ, I guess. The thing is, they, they put 
whoever handles the ball a lot for your team, they Nick Nurse really likes to put Scotty on the opposing ball handlers. He likes to have him press up really high and sort of like slow down the pace of your offense. And so if 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 RJ's gonna handle a lot, that he'll probably see a lot of Scotty on him. You might even see Scotty taking some shifts on Brunson as well, even though I think Fred should be able to one to take on that matchup and at least own it. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, that's that's kind of about it. They, they're trying to like at least limit how much Pascal needs to do defensively because of the fact that you really, really need him to carry you offensively. Like he is the main threat for the Toronto Raptors. Um, obviously, Scotty is good enough to really take over a game. Fred's really good enough to take over a game. Those two, by the way, have been playing better of late, so you don't be too surprised if they pop off a little bit. But the main guy is Pascal. So they they do try to limit how much he has to take on defensively because he does sometimes pick up foul trouble. So you, you probably won't see him guard Randall that much. Okay, okay, gotcha. No, that, that all makes sense. And I'm just thinking from like a Knicks perspective, like defensively, like who do you want them to be guarding like height wise, who do you want to expend like energy in as much as I would like Grimes is our, Grimes is our best defender in that starting rotation, okay. far, best okay. perimeter defender. And I think you got to leave Brunson on Fred, just so you, that you don't lose like the height matchup. And that's where I'm looking at Grimes. Like Pascal might be a little bit too much of a height difference for, for that, for that type of matchup. Yeah. Scotty, same thing. That's a little too much of a height difference in my opinion for that matchup. That's where I'm looking at OG as like OG can score. And I think that, for like Grimes is probably going to be the the key matchup for him. Like RJ has is slightly taller, and that's where I'm looking at looking for the RJ uh, Scotty matchup. And then mm. Julius power forward, he just guards the power forward. So whoever's playing yeah. power forward, which would be Pascal. That's how I'm looking at it as. But offensively, like you got like for the Raptors, it's focusing on our big three, which is Brunson, RJ, Randall. You know. Right now, over the last 10 games, Brunson's averaging about 19 points. You have mm-hmm. RJ averaging 21 points, and you have Randall averaging 27. Those guys, once they score over 20, if they all score over 20 points each, we've won six out of the one games that they've done that. So mm-hmm. that's how, and they're starting to get into their rhythm. They're starting to figure things out. They're starting to really gel, which is which is nice to see. And even when you put the second unit out there, like they, that's where Randall, especially Randall and RJ start to get theirs because the second unit, it's not as, as electric as it once was. And you need those guys in those rotations to keep it going. So I'm very intrigued to see how the stars are going to match up just because you got, it sounds like for the Raptors, most of your scoring is in your starting rotation. Same thing with us. So I think the way that this, this battle is going to go out is staggering and figuring out the mismatches during the stagger. So with that, I'm going to go to the battle of the benches because. Mm. This has been, honestly, we Knicks fans, we used to love our bench. Derrick Rose, Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, who we're missing right now. Uh, you had Alec Burks two seasons ago, who, who, who's a top isolation scorer for us. And then insert any, any center, whether it was like Nerlens Noel, Taj Gibson, whoever. That second unit just held it down. And starting this season, it started, it started off pretty well. Knicks were eighth for the bench unit with 37.1 points. Now, since the span of like all the rotations, like I said, after the Mavs game, so starting against the Cavs, Knicks are now 29th in the league right now from that time until until this point, 23 points off the bench. So it has dropped dramatically. But how do you think this matchup is going to go? Because right now for us, it's, it's McBride, it's Quickly, it's Hartenstein and Jericho Sims who are coming off our bench. What do you think those matchups are going to look like? Interesting. Not a lot of spacing. That doesn't sound like no. It does uh, no spacing whatsoever. Okay. No, no, no ISO creation whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's. I mean, look for the Raptors. If OG's back, that pushes Gary Trent, who should also be back, 
this week. You know, if if Gary's available and OG's available, Gary will come off the bench. He would probably do most of the bench scoring and bench creation. Um, if he's not available, then you'll probably see a heavy dose of Malachi Flynn, who I would say, you know, he's come on strong here. I think the Raptors have experimented more with two point guard lineups with him and Fred. So, um, you know, he's he's better in terms of as a score when he's out there with another point guard. Um but, you know, the Raptors very much like the Knicks because they're coached by the same guy, apparently. Um, do the same <laughs> thing. They, they, they don't really use only bench lineups. They're very, cap- they're very careful to not to do that because of the fact that they know that they only have three generators on their team. You have Fred, who is, your, who is the Brunson type. You have Scotty, who is like RJ. I'm sure RJ has ups and downs, right? So you're like, why is he not a little bit more efficient? Like kind of the same deal, okay? Young guys just take a long time. And then Randall is, is your Siakam. Like, you essentially, you need to have at least one of those three guys, if not two of those three guys, on at all times. And even though you might change some of the pieces around them, the team is still going to ultimately play according to which of those three guys are on the floor. So I think what the Raptors do off the bench, they bring in Thad Young. Thad Young is able to catch the ball and function sometimes as like a secondary ball handler. That sort of activates the stars to sort of play off of him, which is kind of nice. It makes their job a little bit easier. Or you bring in Chris Boucher, who comes in and mostly is going to crash the offensive glass. He's going to look a little odd just because of how skinny he is and and he's sort of like all over the place, but he will get on the offensive glass. He plays really hard, plays out in transition and isn't afraid of contact. Um, so there is a, there's, it's kind of admirable the way he plays, but you know, yeah, aside from that, uh, there's it, not too much to worry about from the Raptors bench. You know, if the Raptors are really struggling with size, they might bring in Ken Birch, who is good for one or two flip shots per game. Um, aside from that, you're, you know, you don't have too much to worry about. And looking at our graphic that has been given to us by, by Gamba, our, our great graphic designer and creative director here over at KFTV, you can see that it's pretty much similar <laughs> between the oh, bench scoring and everything. They're, they're like coached by the same guy. We, we, they're they're coached is, by the same person. This, it ain't too much different. <laughs> this, is, this is the big takeaway here. Look at those assists numbers. My right God. 4.7 <laughs> assists. That's not even possible. Oh, man. Oh, man. This is, I'm telling you, man. That's why I love doing these things. We'll hear, hear more about the the, oppo- the opposing team. Uh, but, but before we get you out of here, well, let's wrap it up with score predictions. What do you think is going to happen this game, man? Who do you think wins? What's the final score? Let's get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to be this down on the Raptors because they are better than what they've shown this season. But they literally have three road games, or throw three road wins as we speak right now. So I, I'm not mm-hmm. going to go ahead and jump out and predict a road win against the Knicks team that's playing really well. So I want to give you guys your respect. I think it'll be a close game, though. Wow. Like Probably low scoring. If, if both teams score under 100, I wouldn't be too surprised. You know, mm-hmm. but I, I do see you guys winning this one. Wow. Well, you are, you are the first guest I've had on here that gave the Knicks the win. Look at this. Look at this. Get it, some it's respect. only because the Raptors are down bad, man. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, but <laughs> normally I would say a win. You know, there was like a stretch there were four or five years where the Raptors only, like swept the Knicks every year. Yeah. So... You know, this is this is a long way from that. But to be honest, it's just like until the Raptors show me something, I'm not really going to be picking them, you know? Look, you don't got to tell me about the Raptors owning the Knicks. I've been watching this team for way too long. And it's yeah. ever, I, I, my friends and I would always have this circle be like, oh, man, this I is going to be a rough one. This is going to yeah. be a rough one. But thank you for the respect. This this is this is what this is. You know, we had uh, we had Rick Carlisle, you know, being a post game on the post game press conference last night after the Knicks beat uh, edged out uh, the Indiana Pacers. And he's like, you have to get. He was essentially saying you gotta give the Knicks their respect. They're one of the they're yeah. one of the better teams right now. 
And thank you for doing the same thing on this show. I unfortunately can't be that gracious. I'm going to be living in this moment. Knicks mm. are going to win, in my opinion. I think okay. it will be a low scoring. I think it will be a low scoring affair um, relatively to what the NBA is doing this season. I'm going to call 105, 101 Knicks. I yes. think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a close battle. I think because they're, they're ran the same way. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of the oh. same thing. And there's going to be some, there's going to be a lot of ups. There's going to be some downs. There's going to be, it's going to be all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you a question before we go? Like, do you guys also have this thing where you, every single game there's a five minute scoring drought, like without without fail, yeah. there's a five minute scoring drought. Absolutely, like yo, every single like to the point where our announcer is like, "It's time for," and then you're like, "Oh, it's in an ad read." No, it's time for the five minute scoring drought. It's like every single game for the Raptors. So yeah, my prediction too, if I had to add one on, because I actually I, I, I like your score prediction. I, I'm gonna you know let's just say the same thing, but for me, it's just like I want to predict at least. Six starters combined for both teams play forty plus minutes. That's I feel like that might be an under you know uh, an, an understatement. Minutes. We're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get th- we're gonna get six guys playing forty plus minutes in this matchup. Actually, I, yeah. I honestly wouldn't be surprised at this. Point. I would not be surprised. Trust me, it, it's gonna happen for the. It might just be from the Raptors side. You never know. <laughs> it might be from the look, man. Uh, <laughs> Yo, I'm telling you, Nick runs his guys hard, man. <laughs> He played OG 44 minutes and he's been hurt ever since. And it's like, what are Yo. you doing? And they lost to Orlando. Wow. So. Wow. Let me tell yeah. you this. So last night, actually, we're, we're, we're getting close to this category. So RJ played 42. This is the thing. Because our second, because it's been cut to nine-man rotation and the second unit has legitimately no scoring right now. Mm-hmm. You're relying on Randall, RJ, or even when Brunson comes in. You're starting to see these. You're, you're starting to see these guys get a lot of minutes. So last night, RJ had 42, Randall had 39, and you had Brunson with 35. So you know what? You might be. You might get that. You you might get. Oh, like, it's happening. Trust so. me. Especially if it's a close game. If it's a blowout, then yeah, oh. okay, whatever. But close game. Actually, everyone playing for you, man. I'm telling you, Nick Nick Thibodeau versus Tom Thibodeau is gonna be. It's gonna Tom be Tom Nurse. Uh, you know, Nick Thibodeau against Tom Nurse. Is that what we got going here? Is that's that what that's it is? pretty good. I like that. Yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> but Will, thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation. Please let our listeners know where they can find your work if you got anything coming up. Yeah, I appreciate you. Um, so uh yeah, as you mentioned at the top, I do the Raptors show. It's on Sportsnet. We stream live on YouTube. I guess you could catch it on TV if you're if you're in Canada, but you know, probably just YouTube, uh podcasts, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, you can follow my work on Twitter at William underscore Lou. I also do writing as well. But uh, yeah, you'll find it all on Twitter. Thank you, Lou, for coming on. And make sure to go check out Will and make sure to give him a follow on Twitter. Let's, you know what? Let's, I'm sure everyone's going to be tuning in, going back and forth to seeing uh, our reactions to this game, whether it's on Knicks Fan TV for the post game or checking out your show after after the Raptors and Knicks game. So everyone, make sure to catch everyone's work on this show. But most importantly, make sure to hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Make sure to subscribe to this channel if you haven't already done so. All right. Make sure to share all audio content. We're on all audio streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, you name it. We are there. Okay. And then last and certainly not least, make sure to clip these videos and share them with all your family members. Make sure to share them with your friends. That's how you get Nick's Fan TV known and worldwide. That's how we're so international. And also make sure to check out Nick'sFanTV.com. You can find some great articles over there. And after every single game, you can go find Remy's recast where he recaps every single game in detail, gives you every single player that played that game. Make sure to go check it out. Thank you to Knicks Nation for tuning in once again. We out. 
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.